Chair Burdett, members of the commission, we are now live for the March 2nd Historic Preservation Commission meeting. Thank you. This meeting is now called to order. Welcome to everyone in attendance. My name is Karen Burdett and I am the Vice Chair of the Historic Preservation Commission. This is the March 2nd, 2022 Historic Preservation Meeting. To satisfy legal requirements, I will now enter the following statement into the record. The commissioners and staff of the Montgomery County Historic Preservation Commission are appointed by the county executive with the confirmation of the county council and are qualified to serve according to the chapter 24A, section 24A-4B of the Montgomery County Code. Resumes of the commissioners are on file at the Historic Preservation Office and are hereby made part of the record by reference of all public hearings heard tonight. As is our custom, I would like our commission and staff to introduce themselves beginning on my virtual left. Jeffrey <laughs> Haynes. Christina Arado. Marsha Barnes. Julie Pelletier. Commissioner Dolman. Sara Nasser. Rebecca Ballow, Historic Preservation Staff. Michael Kine, Historic Preservation Staff. And Dan Bruchert, Historic Preservation Staff. Thank you, everyone. We will uh, start with the historic area work permits tonight. Uh, please, anyone who wants to testify tonight who has not already signed up to testify, please immediately contact the staff if you wish to testify. Um, I'm, we're going to open the record on historic area work permits. Have the historic area work permits been duly advertised? Yes, they were advertised in the February 16th edition of the Washington Times. Thank you. We are going to start with the expedited hops or historic area work permits. Um, tonight we have three expedited hops. We have one that's been withdrawn, one that's been postponed, and one we will hear. So starting with historic area work permits, expedited case number 1A at 12 Montgomery Avenue, Tacoma Park, Tacoma Park Historic District. Case number 1C at 5701 Achille Lane, Rockville Master Plan Site. And case 1E at 23 Primrose Street, Chevy Chase. Madam Chair, uh, hearing no objections, I move that we approve the following historic area work permits in accordance with the staff reports and based upon the record before us and in consideration of the recommendations, if any, of the local advisory panels and including any conditions which were recommended by staff. That would be uh, historic area work permit number 979264 at 12 Montgomery Avenue, Tacoma Park. Historic area work permit number 982366 at 5701 Achille Lane, Rockville. And historic area work permit number 982707 
at 23 Primrose Street in Chevy Chase. Is there a second? This is Commissioner Haynes, I'll second the motion. All in favor, say aye. 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 The three expedited cases are approved. Um, and it's again, um, case 1D was withdrawn. One case 1F was postponed. So these are now here. Pop number 1B at 517 Philadelphia Avenue, Tacoma Park. And that is pop number 981519. Staff, is there a report? Madam Chair, this is Rebecca Ballow. Before we begin with the staff report, we would like to have our technician check in the applicant for this case and make sure that his audio and video is, is working and then we can proceed with the item. Thank you. Madam Chair, we are now back live and we can proceed with the staff presentation. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is a uh, circa 1920s craftsman style outstanding resource in the Tacoma Park Historic District addressed at 517 Philadelphia Avenue, Tacoma Park. The proposal is for construction of a screen porch addition at the rear left corner of the historic house construction of an open porch and stair at the rear of the historic house adjacent to the proposed new screen porch addition, replacement of the existing non-historic rear door with a new multi-light wood door, and replacement of the non-historic window at the rear left corner of the historic house with a sliding door providing access to the proposed new screen porch. The applicable guidelines in this case are Montgomery County Code Chapter 24A8, the Tacoma Park Historic District Guidelines and the Secretary, Secretary of the Interior's Standards for Rehabilitation. Staff's findings in this case include the house has experienced previous post-1959 alterations, including the enclosure of an open porch at the rear left corner where the screen porch is proposed and replacement of the original full-width front porch with the current left side projecting front porch. The proposed alterations are compatible with the resource's original design and the proposed screened-in porch addition is sympathetic with the existing architectural character, massing, height, setback, and materials of the house per the guidelines. While the proposed new screen-in porch projects beyond the left side of the historic house, the existing non-original front porch, which also projects to the left, will partially obscure and mitigate its visibility when viewed directly from the front. The proposal will not remove or alter character-defining features or materials of the property or streetscape per standards two and nine, the proposed alterations will be constructed adjacent to the previously infilled porch at the rear left corner of the house, and if removed in the future, the essential form and integrity of the property and environment would, would be unimpaired, 
in accordance with standard 10. And here I have uh, pulled an image from our 1959 Sanborn fire insurance map. And the features which have since been altered are highlighted in red. So we see the original full width front porch, uh, which has been replaced, and the original open porch at the rear left, rear left corner that has been infilled, and that's the approximate location of the proposed screen porch. So staff recommends that the commission approve the HOP application under the criteria for issuance in Chapter 24A, 8B, 1, 2, and D, the Tacoma Park Historic District Guidelines and Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitation, numbers 2, 9, and 10. And at this time, I can take any questions you have for me. Thank you. Um, I, this is Commissioner Burdett. I will start off with a question for the staff. Staff, do you know when the uh, existing front porch was constructed? You said post-1959, but how, when, after 1959? I don't currently have that information. Uh, the post-1959 date came from the, uh, the Sanborn fire insurance map. That's the date on that map, so we know that it occurred after that. Thank you. Um, there was, oh, there's, I just saw a hand go up. Yeah, uh, this is Commissioner Barnes. It was my hand, and I just wanted to clarify with staff, um, the front porch, which now extends to the left of the house um, is extending approximately the same width as the proposed screen porch. Could you help me understand that, please? Sure, so uh, after the staff report was posted, we had some questions about that and the applicant did provide a south front elevation uh, showing the projection as seen through the front porch. So it's the approximate same, uh, same depth from, uh, from the left. Uh, it is visible, as you can see in the uh, elevation here, but staff finds that it, the visibility is partially mitigated by that non-original front porch. Thank you. This is Commissioner Burdett. Um, this house or this porch is put to the side of the historic resource as opposed to directly behind it, which is our preference. Can we get a little bit more understanding of why the porch is in its proposed position? Well, first off, Steph found that that was an appropriate location because that rear corner had been altered. So it would be the appropriate location to put a new door to the porch. Uh, specifically. And I also believe there are some issues with a mature tree in the back and the applicant has uh, been informed that he should be prepared to speak on that tonight uh, and as to whether he has secured his uh, tree protection plan from the city. But I think uh, those are the two, two issues. Uh, staff found that it was an appropriate previously altered location and there is a tree directly behind the house that may prevent it going straight back. Did I just see another hand go up? Um, this is Commissioner Barnes again, and um, I wondered if you could help me 
better understanding the determination of outstanding in the case of this house. Bear with me for one moment. Just follow up. I asked the question because in the Tacoma Park neighborhood, we are uh, so accustomed to seeing lots of contributing resources, and this is an outstanding resource. And I was I was hoping you could help me better understand the, that. One moment, Commissioner Barnes. We are looking through our documents to find you that information. Just one minute. We're fortunate to have such talented staffers who can help with the questions that we sometimes propose. And as the owner, I'd love to hear, hear the explanation as well. Be great, okay. just background information. Commissioner Barnes, uh, according to the amendment, this house is potentially a Sears kit house. And I would also note that the amendment does uh, include information about the large offset front porch. So uh, the amendment, I believe, dates to 1992, which I can confirm here quickly. So the porch was, uh, the original front porch was altered sometime between 1959 and 1992. Thank you so much. This is Commissioner Bernard. Uh, regarding that change to the porch, do we know if there are similar Sears craft houses that had offset porches like this one? So it would have been an appropriate um, addition as opposed to for whatever reason, they they took off the original front porch. I'm not aware uh, of that information. Are there any other questions for the staff? If that's uh, if that's the case, then the applicant can present their uh, make a presentation if you have any or. If you don't, then we will ask you questions. I, I do not have a presentation. Um, it, it's up on the screen, so I'm happy to point. And if uh, someone can help me or I can get control to zoom into the images, I'm happy to, to answer questions and, and illustrate where I can. <clears throat> will you please identify yourself for the- Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Scott Russell. Uh, I live at 517 Philadelphia Avenue. Thank you very much. Commissioner Barnes. Mr. Russell, you have a very attractive house, I must say. And um, I just, uh, I hope you were impressed by hearing from the staff what they're able to draw from their records about changes which were made to your house between 1959 and 1992. Um, one of the staff's comments in terms of finding the proposed location appropriate related to a large tree. So I would hope you would discuss that a little bit with us because I'm very fond of trees myself. 
Sure, sure. No, I, I, I understand that. And uh, we, we like, we love all the tree, the large maples and oaks we've got uh, in on the property. Um, so uh, we were looking at, uh, at the, the idea of a screened in porch and the uh, a porch that went directly uh, to the north um, on, on the rear of the house towards the large tree that you see actually on the screen right now, right now um, was one of our, one, was one of our options. Um, but due to uh, other infrastructure, there's a, an entrance to the rear, uh, to the basement on the, on the rear of the house uh, that it's got con concrete footings um, that would be a significant, um, significant addition to the work we would need to do to, to achieve um, the porch that we're looking to add. Um, as well as it would really start to get in and close to the the larger tree. That's actually, it's if you zoom into the rear of the house, I don't know who's got control of the screen, but if you zoom in there, you can um, you can see uh, there's a dimension to where to how far away the trunk of the tree is from the rear of the house. It's about 26 feet, um, and that the diameter of that tree is pretty large. It's about um, it's about Let's see if I have it labeled. I don't have it labeled, but um, I think it's about, I don't know about this circumference because I know that's the determining factor for, for tree, you know, whether, whether uh, the, the importance of a tree in Tacoma Park, but um, that, that diameter is probably 20 to 24 inches. Uh, so it's probably even larger uh, circumference. So I, I fear that we would probably get, uh, start to get into the, the protection circle as well as the root uh, circle underneath that tree. If we went straight back, um, so thank thank you for that. I mean, I hope you understand that one of the reasons that I'm asking this question is that as a standard kind of procedure, we at the HPC our preference is for additions to be to the rear of a, a historic property rather than kind of as appendages on the side. Mm -hmm. So what you've been telling me is quite important. Thank you. Of course. Of course, um, we also uh, sized it so that it was uh, going to line up with the the uh, porch extension to the left of the house when you're looking at the at the north elevation. I'm sorry, the south elevation in the front of the house, so that it is uh, that extension is 10 feet to the outside of the columns, the brick columns that are there. Uh, so as, so we've decided we intentionally made that the same dimension for the new porch, 10 feet out, so that it would align. This Thank is Commissioner Burdett. Um, I've got a couple of questions. Um, the you're using a mesh system for the screening material, um, and in the in the application material, was the actual mesh itself identified by its transparency? Uh, I did not. I did not look at that to see what the. What the percentage of openness was. Um, there may be some some information, and I'm happy to to provide that um, if and do a little bit of extra research to uh, provide that. Um, and additionally, I guess two other questions. Um, looking at the photographs, the tree that you're trying to avoid in the backyard is a maple tree. It is. It probably has beautiful color in the fall. I imagine. It's fantastic. Um, Existing between the existing wrap porch, there is a, a shrub or tree of some sort. Is that going to be maintained or 
trimmed or replaced or what's going to be between the existing porch and the new porch? So uh, currently, actually, um, if you look at the, the presentation has got a page of pictures on it that'll show you, show you what it is. Um, this is, those are all from the front of the front of the house. Um, but the, the tree that I believe you're referring to, there we go. Um, actually, yeah, in the lower, lower right-hand corner is a crepe myrtle. Mm -hmm. and I, think I, was, it, I was speaking to the one that's closer to the front porch. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's a, that's a, it's an evergreen of some sort. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, I mean, the, the, the trunk is maybe three inches or four inches in diameter. Yeah, but we're going to, we're going to leave that one. And we have, um, it's not during actually at the other picture on that page, you see, um, what are the, what's the, what are all the plants we have right there? Sorry. No, right here on the ground. Oh, um, Hydrangeas. Hydrangeas. We have a whole line of hydrangeas along that that end of the. Uh, so there'll be a hydrangeas between the new porch and the and the front porch. I understand. All right. Thank you. Are there any more questions for Mr. Russell? If not, we will um, begin our deliberation. Would anybody like to head off with it? Okay. okay. I will. Oh, this, is, this is Commissioner Barnes, and I, um, as I indicated to you, Mr. Russell, our preference is always for uh, additions to be to the rear. Um, I am very grateful for the fact that you sought to limit your proposed porch so that it sits the extended porch which um, provides me a deal of a good deal of comfort because one of the things we look for under the Tacoma Park guidelines is how this appears to the streetscape. So I think we've dealt with that. And as I indicated earlier, I'm also very much in favor of large trees. So I took into consideration your concerns about moving across the back, a back the back of the house. So I am supportive of what you have proposed. Great, thank you. Um, this is Commissioner Burdett, I'll go next. Um, my concern with this project is, uh, is the fact that it's offset to the side and seeing from the street, uh, the existing front porch has a transparency to it that you can see through the porch through it to the backyard or to the vegetation behind. And this new porch will block that transparency um, and be visible. Um, uh, I do appreciate why you have positioned it where you have and has how that relates to the house plan itself and to the uh, access to the basement and most importantly, protecting the tree. I do think it's unfortunate that the transparency of the front porch will be obscured to some degree. Um, so my recommendation would be to uh, deal with the plantings in between the front porch and the new porch, layering them um, and a little bit of variety or a little spot of uh, something that is, has color or seasonal quality so that 
so it doesn't look like there's structure back there, but there is actual layering of vegetation. So that aspect of transparency from the street would be maintained or retained to some degree. Um, because your house is lovely, and if I'm not mistaken, you have a wonderful uh, collection of azaleas in your front yard. And your house is quite outstanding. I happen to live close by, so um, <laughs> I your house, your front yard's always been what I admired, and and um, I've always appreciated your your wraparound front porch. So I would really like to see that the space between the front, the existing porch, and the back porch dealt with, so that that transparency is enhanced um, instead of just obscured. Sure. No, I, I think that's a that's an excellent observation. Um, my wife is the one who leads the charge for the way that the front yard looks. And so she's listening and she has already has a bunch of ideas. So I think that's a that's a great input to, to be able to contribute to this to the design of the, of the backyard. Thank you. Commissioner Pella, chair. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that I appreciate that the the concept or the fact that the the porch can be removed at any time and it won't affect the historic fabric of the house um and the fact that it aligns with the front porch even if the front porch isn't historic i think is a nice design and looking at this photo which i guess i missed this photo uh before um it you know with all the vegetation on the side of the house, you're not really going to see it much from the street. And so I would support this. I think it's a nice, nice addition to the house. That's all. Thank you. The, this picture was sent in yesterday. So that's probably why you didn't see it as part of the main. Yeah, I'm playing catch up with the recent, you know, the materials that were sent, but it, it's very telling. So I appreciate you sending the, the front because that was what was missing from the package. So thank you. Are there any more comments from any commissioners? If not, would, would a commissioner like to make a motion? Um, I see one other hand up. Um, <laughs> this is Commissioner Haynes. I think I had my hand up. I don't know if you saw that. Um, real quickly, uh, generally, I um, support the project. I think that the, the scale and not to mention the distance, it's almost 30 feet from the back side of the, the front porch. So it sits pretty far back from the front porch. And I think the scale of the new uh, uh, screen porch is very much in keeping with the scale of the house and the form. So I think it's, and, and that it is built outside the original envelope uh, could be removed down the road and um, would not harm the historic fabric. So. With that, uh, I, I think I preferred on the side to ensure the health of the large tree in the back. Yeah. And um, I think it's a nice project. Mm -hmm. That's it. Motion. So this is Commissioner Barnes, and I would like to move that we approve this project, which is hop number 981519. Is there a second? Commissioner Pelletier, I'll second. All in favor? Aye. 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 This hop is approved. Thank you very much, Mr. Russell, for coming and listening to our comments, and as always, uh, thank you very much. Great, thank you.
Um, we will move on to the preliminary consultations. Madam Chair, if we can, we are going to pause the live feed again so that we can get our applicants for the prelims checked in. One moment, please. Thank you. Chair Burdett, we are now back live, and I will turn it over to Michael Kine for the staff presentation for this item. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. This is a project at 9220 Damascus Hills Lane, Damascus. This is the master plan site, Resin Bowman Farm. The proposal tonight is to extend the foundation of the existing rear addition, five feet by six feet to accommodate a proposed new mudroom entrance, rebuild a former rear deck with the proposed new deck being 12 feet by 24 feet, replace the existing sheathing and wood, wooden clappered siding with lime plaster, and remove the existing rear addition's roof and alter the rear addition, creating a two-story rear addition with living roof. The applicable guidelines are Montgomery County Code, Chapter 24A8, the Damascus Goshen Historic Resources Master Plan Amendment, and the Secretary of the Interior's Standards for Rehabilitation. The farmstead consists of a circa 1827 bank barn, circa 1939 dairy barn, corn crib, milk house, and a late 19th to early 20th century farmhouse and the site map is on the screen in front of you. The amendment notes that the house is ex has experienced extensive previous alterations. In spring 2021, historic preservation staff worked with the county's Department of Housing and Community Affairs and Department of Permitting Services to issue an abatement order for the house. The housing code inspectors found ni nine violations to be addressed. Notably, the house was condemned and found unfit for human habitation. Current applicants purchased the property in summer 2021 with the intention of rehabilitating the farmstead, including the condemned house. So staff supports the proposed rear addition extension and the alterations to the existing rear addition and roof as the addition to be altered is a non-original, non-historic feature. These work items will not alter or remove character-defining character features and or materials of the subject property in accordance with standards number two and nine and they could be removed in the future, leaving the essential form and integrity of the property and its environment unimpaired per standard 10. The outstanding issues tonight, uh, I'm see or staff is seeking the HPC's guidance regarding the proposed siding replacement. The amendment states that the HPC should review changes to the house with leniency due to its extensive previous alterations. However, the house is a Gothic revival influenced farmhouse with center cross gable which was popular in the county from post-Civil War, post War era to the early 20th century. Houses of this style typically have wooden clappered siding and staff considers the siding to be a character-defining feature. Removal of the siding and re replacement with new wooden clappered siding in kind is the correct and typical preservation approach for a house of this architectural style. If approved, removal of the wood siding and replacement with lime plaster would not qualify for our tax credits, and it would potentially contravene standard number two. Questions for the HPC tonight. Are there any concerns regarding their proposed alterations to the existing non-original, non-historic rear addition and or construction of the green roof? And if it is unable to be repaired, should the existing wooden clappered siding be replaced in kind with consideration given to both the language and the amendment and the relevant standards? And staff recommends that the applicant make any revisions based upon your comments tonight and return with a hop application. And now I can take any questions you have for me. And I do have the plans and photographs uh, if we need to look at them. Thank you. This is Commissioner Burdett. Um, I'm a little, wasn't quite following from the report. Um, the the scope of work with the drawings and also um, they are using uh, rammed straw as insulation and covering that with lime. And so where exactly 
can we point out where exactly that's happening versus where the green roof is happening as relation to new construction and old construction? So it's our understanding that the green roof is on the addition only. So let me just find uh, the existing and rear, uh, existing and proposed elevation. So if we look at the existing rear, this is the roof form. And it's being extended to a full two stories. So only on the addition, per my understanding, uh, is the green roof proposed. Does that answer your question? Yes, that does. What about the straw insulation and plaster line? Is that around the whole house or just in one particular area? I believe it is proposed for the entire house. The applicant can clarify that, yes. Okay, all right. Um, and I understand that it's the entire site is designated, not necessarily necessarily the house itself. That's correct. Okay. That's right. Thank you. I can go to the uh, environmental setting map, which I believe is on my very first slide, if that helps. So the, uh, the designated environmental setting is everything that's pink on your screen. As you can see, it extends a little Thanks. further down. It's cut off by the slide. Thank you very much. Uh, Commissioner Barnes? Um, this is a question for staff, and it's a little outside of what we're being asked to deal with tonight. But since we are looking at the entire environmental setting, and the oldest building on the site, based on what staff mentioned to us, is an 1827 bank barn. And we seem to have lost a lot of those recently in the county. Do we have any sense of the rehabilitation involving other structures on the property, the proposed rehabilitation? It's my understanding that that is part of the long-term plan to re rehabilitate the- before they collapse or in the near future or? You can ask the applicants, but uh, that's not part of the proposal tonight, but from our conversations right. with the applicants, we do understand that that is, that is something that they plan to address. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Doman or, or is that Commissioner Haynes? I'm not quite sure who that is. It's Commissioner Doman, Chair Burdett. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Doman, you're muted. Sorry. This is maybe a question for the applicant, but maybe uh, staff knows. Um, in the views of the inside, it looks like the, the whole inside of the house is gutted. Is that correct? There's no plaster, no drywall, no nothing on the inside of the house. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And I do have some photographs from the site visit last spring before the house was boarded up. They're deep Do you know when it was last? I'm sorry. Do you know when it was last lived in? I do not know. I don't okay. have that Because in this view, the view you're presenting, it still shows some windows in it, but everything is gone now, I take it. Everything is is boarded up. Yes, that's um, correct. Do you, know the, do you know the condition of the foundation? What does it sit on? Is it on um, 
Rubble Foundation um, is, is it's like a stone and mortar. Uh, is, is there a basement underneath it by any chance? No, there's no basement. And I here we go. So this is what the inside looks oh, like. Oh, okay. 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 All right. It looks like a major, major project. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions for the staff from commissioners? If not, we will move on to quest to the applicant's presentation and comments and our questions for them. All right. Would the applicants please identify themselves uh, by name? And if you have a presentation, please begin. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, this is Allie Ferenzi, and I'm her husband, Dan. Mm -hmm. And we also have our architect, Siggy, online. Can you, Thank this you for is, coming to me. I'm so sorry to interrupt. This is the staff. Can, can all of you please give your addresses for the record as well? Yes. <clears throat> 9220 Damascus Hills Lane. And I'm Siggy Coco. I'm their architect. And my address is uh, 1376 West Woodbine Road in Fawn Grove, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much. Do you have a presentation, either the architect or the applicants? I think we'll start with just um, saying thank you, especially to uh, the director, uh, Ms. Rebecca Ballow. She's been just exceptionally helpful, transparent, and um, a real asset to uh, the commission would like to also thanks uh, thank you uh, James or uh, Michael and the, uh, the entire group here tonight for allowing us to have this discussion we're, we're really excited um, to start this project we definitely are taking a whole of site approach to this um, project we're not going to focus on any one thing um, overall, although first order of business is the house so that we can move into it. So uh, the barns won't be neglected to answer that initial question. Um, and we intend to restore the site and uh, and raise a family there. And um, I, I work in DC, but we like the country life. So that's our goal. Are there any questions for us? Um. So, uh, is there any more presentation, or is that it? Is Ms. Coco, do you have a presentation, or? Um, well, I um, I feel like there's just sort of some some big picture things that we can uh, express to you, and and so Dan and Allie are very environmentally conscious, and part of that is their desire to use the type of building materials that we used to use before, before we built the way we build now. So the whole goal is to use older materials um, all the way through the house, inside and outside, but to sort of restore that type of construction to begin with. Um, so there's a, there's a great respect for keeping from their aspect that I've and I'm with them on that. Um, there's a great respect for 
keeping the essence of that homestead, the farm itself, the barns, I mean, are gorgeous, um, and, and respecting the way that they approach um, renovating this space. I mean, it's, yeah, it's dangerous to walk inside right now, and they want to make it a livable, beautiful structure again. So I think there's a lot of love behind their intentions. Um, and then to clarify the straw piece, um, so straw bale construction generally, that was, um, it was in, unique to the United States, invented in 1880. It began in Nebraska. Um, it sort of was an evolution out of um, sod houses that were built in Nebraska where they didn't have a lot of wood. And then there was a um, expansion of where straw bales were used because they required very little heat because they provide so much insulation. There are still some existing historical straw bale buildings in the United States, um, but not older buildings in Maryland. But the, the techniques for building that way um, all involve materials that we used to use pre-1900. So um, materials that are local, materials that are agricultural, um, natural lime plasters, which are ubiquitous to this area, as I'm sure you know, um, and then using clay plasters as well. We did find that the stone foundation, for example, um, I did a little sample of the mortar and it is a clay lime mix for that mortar. So it's exactly those same materials that were put into the house that we would like to bring back as we approach um, making the home, making that building habitable again. Um, so that was, I just wanted to sort of um, give you that background of their perspective and their sort of um, viewpoint on all of it. And I think from, from our perspective, what we would like to understand from you is what is the essence of that particular homestead that you would like to see maintained, right? So, um, you know, whether it's the front facade, whether it's the particular architectural detailing, like to me, it's weird if you keep the architectural detailing on the front, which is quite beautiful and we can restore it and then not carry it through the rest of the building. So to me, I, I would like to actually create the same aesthetic throughout all of the detailing on the exterior so it doesn't look like a mullet, you know, with the different front and sides. So, um, you know, our goal is to create something more consistent. Um, but I think from our perspective, it would be helpful to understand what's important to you in terms of main maintaining detailing. Is it maintaining the look of the facade? Um, are we allowed to make the front door meet building code? It's currently too narrow for building code, you know, sort of things like that. Thank you. Um, if there are no more, what, yeah, there are more questions, I'm sorry. Commissioner uh, Nasser. Um, hello, this is Commissioner Nasser. I have a question about the straw installation. Uh, it's, it's kind of a technical question. Is it possible to apply the, wooden clapboard on these kind of installation or uh, there's kind of some restriction and that's why you chose the uh, plaster? Um, the, the, it is feasible to do it um, and there's a couple ways that, so um, we can keep actually the existing 
framing and that's the goal is to keep as much of the existing old like take off the new additions that are not actually well built but keep the oldest part of the structure and then infill the straw within that so you actually won't you'd never see that there's straw in the end um, but the lime plaster there's several benefits to the lime plaster um, so that's definitely the preferred material um, I understand. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Radu. Hi, uh, just a follow up question on this uh, <clears throat> straw. What, what is the thickness you're anticipating if this is allowed for, you know, for your project? So the, the straw. straw, did you like yeah. run any calculations kind of like for the R values you would want to get? Oh, absolutely. Um, so the thickness would all go toward the interior, so we wouldn't change the outside footprint at all. Um, but the straw use, they use the normal straw bales that we have in this region, which are 18 inches wide. Um, and then once you plaster them, they end up being, the total wall thickness ends up being about 20 inches in total. Mm -hmm. But that goes toward the interior, not, it doesn't extend anything further on the exterior. And the R value is R36 to R48, depending on sort of construction detailing. Uh, Commissioner Barnes. Thank you. First of all, I'd like to say to Mr. and Mrs. Ferenzi, I am so pleased that you decided to purchase this property and that you want to try and rehabilitate it and that you want to live there. This is wonderful news. And I um, also think you're very courageous because it's an enormous project. And I wish you a lot of success with it. Uh, I was the one who asked the question about the barn and I'm delighted to hear you say that uh, it isn't, the house is first because you need a place to live and then your intention is to work with the rest of the property because you have an entire environmental setting. And as we see in the photo, lovely spring daffodils. I um, was interested to hear that your architect is from Pennsylvania, because when I think about the area, for example, around Chad's Ford, and I lived in Pennsylvania for a while, um, I see the plaster as far more common than it is in this area. And I applaud the idea of having uh, an environmentally uh, positive impact with what you're proposing. But I think that a lot of the houses in this area, and I rarely take exception to anything the staff says, but I would probably just see this as more of a variation of a Victorian farmhouse than having the, the Gothic influence, except perhaps for the window in the gable. Um, I think most of those are clad and clabbered, not in lime wash lime plaster. I think that's a far more common um, usage in, in Pennsylvania uh, than it is in this area. And so I uh, would be in favor of having you try and use clabbered rather than the lime plaster to, uh, and, and I appreciate your desire to sort of clean up some of the additions on the back of the house because 
what we've seen in the slides that were presented by staff is a, a remarkably complex roof line in the back. And I think what you have in mind will, will be a very positive Your voice. Thank you. I have nothing more to say to you at this point. Thanks. Commissioner Doman. Uh, yes, thank you. This is Commissioner Doman. Um, I, uh, I did take a ride out to look at the property, and I must admit I am not familiar with Upper Montgomery County. I was surprised to see the uh the property i mean there is just north of the of the property it's all being developed into large mansions and then you go down this small lane and i didn't cross the gate because it says no trash no trespassing but looking in there this is a beautiful area it's this absolutely beautiful area in there and i think the most important thing is is the pastoral setting that that with the barn, with the lake, with the outbuildings and the house, I thought this was the main thing is, is the setting of this property because it is so completely different from the houses that are being built around it. And it's like night and day, all of a sudden you got these huge mansions and you have this beautiful farm out there. And I think this is to be commended that they're willing to put money into this and to uh, save the property as is because it's, 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 it's really a beautiful piece of property. Um, having said that, looking at the house from the gate anyway, it's almost, it's very difficult to see the house because it's way off to the right side as you come into it. <clears throat> and I don't really think the appearance of the house is all that important. This is to me anyway. I realize the staff report would recommend and normally if this is any place else I would say yes we really have to keep the clapboards on we can reuse some of it and re uh, machine some and make new clapboards for it and I think that's the way it should be had it been in any other setting but in this particular setting it's very private very off the road uh, almost invisible to anybody unless you can cross the gate and come into the property I don't think the appearance of this house really matters and I think it's um, primarily a homeowner's um, prerogative on what they want to do and having said that I would never build a straw house <laughs> that's that's my opinion and uh, I support the homeowner now my question to the homeowners well also to the architect have you ever done a straw infill house with straw insulation and to the homeowners Who's going to do the work? It looks like to me in some of the in the application photos, it shows somebody mixing up the uh, the lime mortar and applying it. Is that is that going to be done by the homeowner? So That's a really I'm, good question. Oh, go ahead. So I've been designing uh, strawbill homes in this area, mostly in Maryland. Actually, um, I would say seventy five percent of my homes are in Maryland. Um, since 1998, so mm. and I've designed over 45 buildings, um, both commercial and residential. Um, so, yes, it's doable. Yes, I've done it before. Yes, I've been doing it for a long time, and um, I'm not. 
I'm not trying to brag, but I'm sort of the, for sure, the regional expert on straw bale construction, but one could right. probably argue national expert. But uh, so yes, it's doable and um, we've done it before. In terms of who does the work, um, Allie and Dan are working with a builder that I have worked with before who has done another uh, straw bale home with me. So he understands the, um, the process start to finish and, um, and you know understands what type of lime to use, how to, how to make it, all of that. Um, and then I also uh, provide hands-on support during construction as needed to teach any, any piece that is unusual, right? So this, these aren't materials that you walk to Home Depot and or walk to Home Depot, go pick up at Home Depot. Um, so their materials were buying from a farmer. So, okay, well, how do we know they're good? And that's where I come in and I help um, define what makes each of the materials quality and then how to determine recipes for the plaster and all of that. So um, to ensure longevity and durability. And generally speaking, these types of homes, because we're building in the way we used to build and not the way we currently build, um, they tend to be healthier, they tend to be more durable, they tend to not have humidity and condensation issues um, that can cause decomposition of structural elements. Um, so I hope that answered your question. Uh, yes, I, well, I come from a remodeling background and I've never, I've never worked on a straw house. I've never seen a straw house. So this is all new to me. My other question, um, from some of the inside photos, the floor joists were missing. And below the floor joists, it looks like it maybe went down a couple feet and then there was like a dirt floor. Now our ground moisture is always a problem. Um, I assume you're gonna put down a vapor barrier, but then you're gonna have to re redo the floor with new floor joists. But do you insulate the floor with straw? Um, no, the straw will only be insulating the walls. So um, we will insulate the floor, you know, per code. So any crawl space would be R24 minimum. And um, uh, usually with the horizontal surface, my goal is to use uh, recycled cellulose because it's a local material, um, but it can be anything. It doesn't need to be the straw. Is there any fire code? limitations because you have straw on the wall as opposed to a non-combustible fiberglass or something? How, how does that work out? So it actually exceeds the fire resistance of a typical stud wall because on a typical stud wall you have framing that is that has a cavity in between so you have basically fuel source, airspace, fuel source, airspace, fuel source, airspace. So if there is an ignition there is plenty of fuel and plenty of, plenty of oxygen um, to cause a fire that can go vertical very quickly, right? That's why we put fire blocking in between stud walls. A straw bale wall, once you plaster it on both sides, there is no oxygen inside. So while there is lots of fuel, it is compact and there is no oxygen. And so therefore it does not burn. So it has over a two hour fire rating just by itself. Um, and there are examples of straw bale homes that have gone through Forest fires in California were the only thing left standing in the forest fire with the straw bale walls. Okay. So, and the, how about um, electrical codes? You have yeah, to run so, the wires to the walls? 
Yeah, so what we're doing is 100% code compliant. Every single building that I have designed has a conventional normal building code. Um, I actually worked with the state of Maryland. Um, I think it was 2000 or 2001. Um, we had a meeting where permit officials from every jurisdiction came and they could ask me anything, but I basically gave them a presentation on natural building and that included straw bale construction, clay plasters, lime plasters, living roofs, um, rubble trench foundations, which we're not dealing with here. So, um, so that we could get all of the permit officials understanding how to um, look at, review these materials correctly and not um, discard them outright and also not approve things that were inappropriately detailed. Oh, so right. electrical is run, it's usually used armored cable so that there's no spark within the wall. There's obviously still junction boxes. Um, so it's all completely 100% up to building code. I, was, I assume it would have to be. Um, is this balloon framed? Do you know? The it frame? is not. I don't think it was balloon framing. It looked like it stopped at the second floor um, and there was a rim. So I'm, I don't think it was balloon framed, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. And on the in, the outside, it's got the lime plaster. Is it also the same on the inside too? You do both surfaces? Uh, typically on the inside, you use a clay plaster. So clay using clay soils, um, adding sand, you know, and clay is very sticky. So you add sand, often straw. Um, and the beauty of clay plasters is that they regulate humidity so that you don't ever get condensation anywhere else inside your wall system. Hmm. Well, this is all very interesting and new to me. I've, <laughs> I'd like to see it. I think the basic question you need before you can go any further is, is it acceptable from the Historic Preservation Commission to actually take off the clapboard siding and refinish it with uh, the straw bale and the, the plaster, lime plaster on the outside. So before you can even start thinking about codes and building inspections, you have to get through us first. Okay, I understand yes. your situation. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Haynes. Uh, thank you. Um, as Commissioner Dolan was talking about permits and inspection, I too was wondering what the inspectors, when they walk through the door, what would they, they would say. But you've answered that question by educating them and I commend you for that. Uh, I think it's a fascinating idea um, you must have studied the works of Christopher Alexander, who did a lot of straw construction way back in the day. Um, my question's more architectural in nature, um, and I know your elevation sketches are conceptual in nature, but uh, I too am from Pennsylvania in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area, and appreciate the agricultural structures and farm buildings there. but. Your roof line on the rear of the house seems at odd with forms that we might see in agricultural homesteads. Could you talk a little bit about the, the shed roof? If I understand it correctly, you're proposing a shed roof across the entire back of the uh, addition and any part of, I don't know if there's any part of the original that extends backwards, but could you talk a little bit about why you chose that particular Reform. 
Yeah, so I, I think actually um, I we had a discussion, Ali and Dan and I um, earlier this week, yeah. and I think um, what what we what we would do instead is um, only put a flat, basically a flat-ish shed roof over the. Um, I don't know how to describe this, but the, the there's a wraparound porch. So from the front side, the gable goes all the way across the building with the wrap the porch along the front, and then it slits to the side. And the original section of roof line extended um, back along sort of creating that L. Mm -hmm. um, and the what we spoke about earlier this week is to change change it back to that so that that L would remain intact. We can keep the, you know, the box return eaves on the, you know, sort of that same language detailing on that entire L and then just on the section that is rebuilding the addition, that would be the only section that has the flat roof with the green. And we would continue any um, fascia board or soffit detailing consistent with the rest of the home. Does that, yeah, does that make sense? These are, these are my drawings, so don't, uh, not Siggy's. Um, <laughs> any misunderstanding is understandable. The, uh, the intention though is to, is to keep the cross gable L shape, not have a shed roof unilaterally from the back. Um, we'll keep that farmhouse L shaped gable, and then we'll raise the shed kitchen roof up two stories to like a flat-ish hip roof. And that would be where we cover it with the uh, living roof, if that makes sense. It does. Thank you. And this is Commissioner Burdett. I think I'm going to be the last come or questions for you. Um, you mentioned that um, you're staying within the existing exterior of the house with your straw and the thickness of the wall will be 20 inches. So what's the existing framing depth of the existing house? So the existing framing is mostly, so it varies actually. So there's two parts of the house. Uh, the front section that you see head on. Um, oh shoot, I didn't pull my architectural drawings, but they're, a, they're the equivalent of a two by six. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but they're not actually they're not five and a half, which a normal two by six would be, but they're also not exactly six because they're not rough sawn. Um, the side, the the part that makes the L that's on the other part of the wraparound porch was thinner, and I think they may have been replaced at some point. So those are more conventional and they look like two by four, but they don't look like the normal pine two by fours. It's, it's confusing. There's almost no interior wall framing at all. So it's all on the exterior. And so we would notch the straw, the, the proposal would be to notch the straw bale to um, infill in between the framing so that the face of the straw is flush with the face of the studs on the exterior. So I, granted, this is on the interior and that's not really our purview, um, but is the weight of the straw with with whatever finish it has on it, heavier, so therefore it need, how are you supporting the second floor and that straw bale construction? I mean, is it all two stories high or will there be a sill in there and a joist that support it? And is that load 
are you calculating for that excess load? Oh, absolutely always. And um, so we're actually really lucky here because the stone foundation is 20 inches wide. So kind of perfect. Um, and so uh, the way it works is you put in the floor framing right on just as it as it had been. So wherever there isn't floor framing, we would add it back. Um, and then put um, blocking essentially under the inside face of the straw bale wall and then put the straw bales right on top of that floor framing, build up, same thing on the second floor. So floor framing goes across, it rests all on wooden structure, not on the straw. There's a, um, a piece of blocking that sits in front of the second story straw bale wall so that there's blocking on either side and then that straw bale goes up on top as well. It's about a hundred pounds per linear foot. So it's actually not a huge building load, but okay. it is heavier than the original wall would have been. Um, and on the exterior, the staff has recommended that you do siding as opposed to the lime plaster. Um, when you do an exterior that is a siding, it, do you need a sheathing material or a waterproof barrier between the straw and the siding? Um, so no, and um, if we were required to put a barrier, then the straw becomes untenable. Uh, so the whole goal is to go back to how we used to build, which is to build vapor permeable walls. That's so okay. yeah, so typically what it what we would the way we would prepare the you don't want any straw exposed in the end. So we, we would put a slip clay plaster on top of that and then put the clabbered on top of that. Um, and with the green roof, um, is briefly kind of explain that composition because many of us are architects, so we've seen the green roofs on commercial buildings in the city and high rises. This is going to be a little different. So it's it's similar in that so there's two types of green roofs one is called extensive and one is called intensive and intensive green roof is a very thick soil and it could you know there could be trees and all kinds of plants the idea here is to do a very thin system so it's called extensive mm -hmm. um, yeah so this is a great example so um, the soils are usually around four inches thick there's a drainage layer below so that the soil isn't holding a lot of water. It's just whatever water it can carry through and then the water sheets off through that drainage layer. And then you plant it with plants that are essentially rock garden plants because there's no groundwater table for them to tap into. So you want plants with lateral roots, not tap roots, and you want plants um, that can handle um, they survive only on rainwater. So they have ways of collecting and storing the rainwater either in their leaves like succulents do or in tubers or bulbs, right? So um, it's a it's a basically a plant selection issue because you're creating this very thin, arid climate where it rains a lot, you know, but there's no groundwater. Okay, thank you. Um, question on the uh, house on the windows that um, I understand that the windows are all gone or, or in such a state that they need to be replaced. But on the sketches, and I appreciate they are sketches, is the intent to put in windows that would have been appropriate for the era as in one over ones or 
pour over ones, whatever, as opposed to contemporary uh, picture windows. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. You're going to put in more historic. Historic, I'm sorry, yes. We, the okay. goal is to put in more historic, yes, I think. Okay. Yeah, the, okay. the more dividing lights, the better, I think. Is the... <laughs> okay, I think I was the last comments. If nobody else has any more questions, then we will move into giving you our comments. Wait, this is Commissioner Doman. I have another question, if I may. Okay. Go ahead. The, uh, the comment was made in the staff report that a major modification of this particular property or removing the clapboard and going with um, straw bale and a lime plaster may not qualify for tax credits. I assume that the homeowner is aware of this. And if you don't get any tax credits for any of the work that you do on this, are you still willing to go ahead with it? question the homeowner I think that's up to Allie <laughs> so uh, yes I mean I think is this with regards to money well I know that. <laughs> <With> <laughs> yes to um, the exterior being a lime render instead of the clapboard siding that's correct that's one of the comments that was made that it would be different it would be modifying a historic house and it would be not in kind, and therefore you would not qualify or may not qualify. This is uh, right. Stephanie um, and Michael Kine. I, I would like to just jump in for a moment since I do administer our tax credit program. Just to clarify, the, so the plaster, the plaster for Collaborate would not qualify for the tax credits, but much of the other work that we understand you're either going to propose in the future with rehabilitating the buildings and perhaps some of the work on this building would qualify for the tax credit. So there's still some money to recapture, but the but but the uh, the siding would not qualify. Just just wanted to clarify that. Okay, thank you. Uh, Commissioner thank you. Haynes, do you have your hand still up? I do. Just a yeah. quick question if clarification. Um, if if we if you would you do siding with the bale construction or or it wouldn't breathe properly and you couldn't do the bale uh, uh, construction with wood siding. Was this a um, question for, I'm sorry. Well, anyone. Yeah, so um, the the preference is lime siding, lime, lime, a lime render. And to clarify, um, so I, to me, I don't know, I'm, I'm not in your position. So I, I, I'm not an expert on historical architecture um, styles, but to me, when I look at this, it's not, it's not clearly one style. Um, it is, it's sort of in that uniquely American um, tradition of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, so but I, 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 I appreciate I that you guys feel, you know, that you feel that there's a particular style to maintain. But I would also say that while while there is a sense that lime renders are primarily done in Pennsylvania, they absolutely are. There are examples of them throughout Maryland. Um, so Catoctin Mountain has some of the has old lime kilns and you can go visit them and has some of the best lime in the entire world is right here. 
Um, and so it definitely was a building material. I think primarily it depended on whether or not, uh, you know, it was um, built. So the nationality of the person building. So if they tended to be from, depending on what part of Europe they were from is what type of um, aesthetic they would use. And then the siding that's there is, is not original. It's from the 80s, I think. So, from a, so uh, my question is really more about my, my question is really more about the uh, building performance, uh, the the uh, uh, a siding with the bale. Uh, yeah. Insulation. The, the breathability, breathability of that would not be would not be ideal. Let's put it that way. From from a bale construction point of view, is that is that correct? Um, it's or would not, it still work from a building performance point it of view? It still works, but it you lose. Um, so lime is um, agroscopic. It pulls water. So if there were ever any condensation or if there was any moisture inside, it actually actively pulls the moisture out and therefore creates durability. This is true for wood as well. Um, so you know, you're losing that active durability potential if you put the siding on. Okay, that's what I want to That's true for wood as well, right? So it's mm -hmm. not just unique to... Very good, thank you. Okay, if there are no more questions, we will get go on to comments from the commissioners. I would, um, we have certainly uh, made um, Ms. Coco describe every aspect of these building techniques. We are much, well, very well informed now. So um, I would ask that the commissioners um, uh, keep their comments uh, to the historic uh, issues that we need to address, as well as not uh, repeat previous comments. You can just say you agree with another commissioner. Um, and so who would like to start off with their comments? Oh, before we do that, let me make one comment here on my own. Um, as you might have caught on, we have some very talented and experienced people here tonight. We have architects, we have people who are uh, uh, experts in historic materials as well, um, and people who are very expert in historic structures. So we will give you our comments um, based on our experiences and our understanding of your project, and you can take it for what they're worth. You can ignore them or you can make use of our comments. The staff will tell you, uh, provide you the actual guidance that you need to have to come forward to a hop. Um, I would say that when you do come forward with a hop, we would like to see better drawings um, at that point. But so let's move on to our comments. Who would like to start off tonight with their comments? This um, is Commissioner Barnes, and I would be happy to start. First off, once again, I applaud the homeowners for what they want to undertake. I appreciate architect Coco's um, uh, willingness to give us a, a crash education on straw construction, which was extremely helpful. Um, 
I am supportive of the project. Um, and I am excited, in fact, about the concept of the straw bale construction. I uh, have two, um, well, I have a couple of reservations. One is about the rear of the house where I feel I'm not entirely sure how this is gonna flesh out and would love additional detail there. Um, I think the architect mentioned that maybe when we were discussing windows, more lights were better than, than fewer. And I would not say that that's necessarily the case in this structure of this period. I think actually fewer lights probably works out better. Um, I remain concerned about the lime plaster exterior uh, and have a preference for clabbered based on what I know of the area and the recommendation of the staff, which is very knowledgeable. Um, but you are not inaccurate to say that there are, are lime plaster buildings in this area. And you do see them sometimes. I've seen them in much more pronounced um, neo-Gothic structures, which are larger and far more dynamic. This is basically a vernacular farmhouse with a little bit of a pizzazz touch in the gable. And that is what for me, brings it back to calling for the clabbered. So I wouldn't dispute your comment about the Catoctin lime kilns and the fact that there are structures in Maryland which have lime plaster, but in my experience, they're very different in character than this house. Um, and I hope that we will see you again soon with a historic area work permit. Um, and I hope that when we do, we'll have a better understanding of what you're doing at the rear of the house, which is for me, um, not that I have an objection to the green roof, which I think is extremely interesting and a positive thing and could give us all a wake up call. But just because I'm a little unclear about what's done and there clearly is a need for cleanup behind the main uh, structure of the house where all kinds of things were done that are a little bizarre, frankly. Thank you. I'm sorry. Very much for coming here. in for a preliminary. And, and if you have further questions, the staff, as you noted, is really helpful. Uh, thank you. Commissioner Pelletier. Uh, thanks. Um, I think I saw Ms. Coco on TV. Were you on Maryland Farm and Harvest, I think, recently? Um, all very interesting. That's why I wasn't asking a lot of questions because I already saw it on the show. But uh, I, had, I just have a concern about, I think the examples that you were doing on that show were new construction as opposed to, you know, trying to infill with the hay bales on, on an existing structure. So I have a little bit of heartburn about that, but it sounds like you have a handle on it, which is fine. Um, my feeling about the clabbered is at, uh, two things. I'm relieved that you're gonna change the roof line because that was really the thing that was, was kind of giving me pause. I appreciate the green roof. I think it's great, but uh, I'm glad to hear that you're keeping the cross gable because I think 
For me, this house is mostly about massing with the wraparound porch, the front, you know, the gable, the, I feel like though the clapboard, it would be nice, but I think if you're maintaining the massing of the house, which is so clear when you go, now I don't know if that's the main entrance to the property where you come down that dirt road. Is that where the main driveway is gonna be? So, so you're coming through all the McMansions kind of down through that new development and then you're gonna come into where the metal gate was. Cause yeah, that, okay, well I didn't go on the property cause it said no trespassing, but, but the, the house itself is so clear from that entrance and the, the gable and the, the kind of Gothic structure. I think if you're maintaining that, you know, even if it's a lime plaster and all the windows don't have any divided lights, I still think it says farmhouse. And so I'm, I think it'll be lovely. And if you keep the cross gable and give us a little more information about the green roof and clearer drawings and your hop, I think it, it, I would support it completely. So thank you. Someone else have their hand up? I think this is Rebecca. Karen, are you still there? Did you get stuck? Uh, I'm, I just came out of stuck, yeah. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. Is Commissioner is Red, you available, or shall we move on to the next person? Yeah. Uh, Commissioner Dolman. Wanted to add a few oh. things. I mean. Oh, uh, okay. Commissioner Doman, um, if you can give your comments. You given quite a few, so um, go right ahead. <laughs> okay, not to say too much. I agree with um, Commissioner Pelletier and Commissioner Haynes on the, the rearrangement of the roof on the back side of the house. As I mentioned before, I did go out and visit the property. I think the main thing is the overall architectural view is being maintained. When you look through the gate, you see this beautiful area out there, and I don't think a house that is in clapboard or a house that is in um, uh, lime wash, lime finish on the outside, lime plaster would make much difference. Um, the pastoral setting is still there. The pond is still there. The barn is still there. I think the setting is still there. Um, I would support um, their recommendation. Um, I don't know about I mean, you, it requires, the straw is is part of this, and the lime plaster on the outside is part of this. I myself would never do this, but I'm not the owner of the house, and uh, I wish them good luck, and I will support it um, simply because I think it's a it, the house from viewed from the fence or from the gate will be maintained, and I think the setting will be maintained regardless if it's clapboard or plaster. So thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Radu, and you're still on mute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I agree with the, um, the previous commissioners. I think uh, the volume of the house is the most important to maintain. And considering that the house was condemned and uh, the 
current sighting might not even be original, or even if it's original, it's not in a, any form to be preserved. I, I'm willing to support um, not installing clapboard um, as long as, as I said, as long as the volume reads as a as a farmhouse and uh, the environment environmental setting is preserved. And thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Haynes. Uh, thank you. Um, I concur with the other commissioners about the form and volume of the house. Uh, as I commented earlier, to respect the the agricultural forms that we find in the rural Pennsylvania uh, landscape. Um, so I'm happy to hear the L shape would would be uh, maintained. Um, I I'd like to consider that you. Uh, I, th I think the siding versus the the line, um, you know, given the barn is wood, that we would have probably suspected many farm structures of that period would have had a wood siding. I'm wondering if it's not, could be seen as an opportunity to, to and I think it's probably more appropriate for the, the period of this original house to have wood siding as Commissioner Barnes suggested that, that you, Use that as a way to to uh, identify the original structure and use the newer technology for the addition and see it as an opportunity to work the two materials uh, as a possibility. But but I do support the project. I'm actually also very excited. Um, would like to follow this through through the end uh, to uh, as it's would be first time straw uh, bale construction that I'm aware of in, in this area. So I, I applaud you for, for taking that on. Thank you. Commissioner Messer. Um, I think uh, everything has been said and I agree with the fellow commissioner. Maintaining the characteristic, like the cross gable and the wraparound porch is very important. Um, uh, and I guess it's, uh, as other commissioners said, if, if that's more important than the material. But uh, if um, keeping the clapboard is possible, uh, I would suggest that consider that and maybe actually do some renderings and see how it looks to kind of help you understand the aesthetic of it. Thank you, and I'll go last. Um, and I. I support this project. I think you guys are amazingly courageous to take on this, the whole property and the house in particular. And, uh, you know, to have a couple or a family that comes and, and takes one of these properties that is, is in such a state and is willing to take it on is really uh, admirable. We lose uh, properties more frequently than we like to decay and uh, simply because nobody's there and there's nobody watching them. And to have someone come take a house that has been condemned and willing to bring it back, I, I fully support. Um, and if, I, if I'm not mistaken, one of the photographs provided in your uh, material for a straw bale construction is the Black Ankle Winery tasting room. Um, which I'm very familiar with. Um, and so I have seen a straw bale uh, construction 
through that property and uh, with their roof, with their green roof, which is looks very much like what you're doing. So I have no doubt that it's entirely feasible and would be very admirable. I do agree with Commissioner Haynes that I think you need to look at maintaining the the existing house as a clapboard siding and looking at some of the newer technologies for getting very um, high R values, uh, in particular something like a rock wool material, um, and then using the addition as an opportunity to use this straw bale construction with the green roof on it. And at that point, because it's a new construction, you won't be hindered by requirements for materials or windows or anything like that. And I think if you provide a balance between the existing and respecting its materials and the new construction and exploring the old new materials, I think you could make a very dynamic, very interesting uh, a project, something that would definitely be uh, worth an award um, in the county, if not in the region. Um, so those are our comments. Uh, I think you've heard that we all support your project. We're all looking forward to you coming back with a hop and um, you know, take, take our uh, opinions for what they are worth. And thank you very much for coming tonight. You've really made, given us all a very interesting evening and we look forward to you coming back. Thank you. And You're welcome, thank you. And if, um, I know the property was locked up and had no trespassing, but you're all certainly welcome to come out there. You have my permission to go to where we, we're not living on site, so uh, feel free. And all of your comments are very similar to the same things that our parents said. My mom told me I had to keep the house gable. My dad said, don't use straw bale. So uh, we're, we're going through this. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, staff. The Can staff we move on to the... sorry no I... can we move on to the next preliminary yes chair bird we need to pause for just a moment um to get the the next caller set well we we were having some technical difficulties in the hearing room but now i believe we have that all set and in fact we don't need to take a pause okay Thank you. Um, so to, to note real quick um, for the forensics, we will also follow up. Um, Michael will create a written um, a written um, account of everything that the commissioners have said, summarizing that for you, and we'll email that to you this week, and we'll schedule a follow-up conversation with you. So thank you so much for joining us. Okay. We do not, in fact, need to pause, and we have everybody checked in for for the next item. Yes, everyone's confirming that with me so we can I will turn it back over to Michael Kine for his presentation. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. And this is another preliminary consultation. This one is at 2106 Salisbury Road, Silver Spring. This is a non-contributing resource in the Linden Historic District. It is a ranch style house circa 1959. The proposal tonight is demolition of the existing roof on the subject property house and construction of a one and a half story expansion above. The proposed expanded house will be entirely within the existing footprint. Two large cross gables, one at the front and one at the rear, will extend from the existing eave line to the proposed new ridge line. 
construction of a new wood deck at the south rear and southeast corner of the house. The applicable guidelines are Montgomery County Code Chapter 24A8, the Linden Historic District Master Plan Amendment, and the Secretary of the Interior's Standards for Rehabilitation. As noted, the subject property is a 1959 ranch-style non-contributing resource. The adjacent properties include two other 1959 ranch-style non-contributing resources to the west and an 1883 Queen Anne-style outstanding resource to the east. The confronting properties include two 1997 infill houses to the northeast, a 2014 house which replaced another ranch-style non-contributing resource dating to 1959 to the north, and a 1906 colonial revival style outstanding resource to the northwest. The oldest house in the immediate vicinity is the 1883 Queen Anne style outstanding resource to the east, with the other surrounding houses having been constructed after subsequent subdivision. Staff notes that this outstanding resource fronts on Brookville Road and its rear faces the subject property. As noted in the amendment, the subject property is a non-contributing resource and should be given the most lenient level of scrutiny in reviewing proposed alterations and may be considered for demolition if requested by the owner. The only questions of appropriateness and compatibility relate to height, scale and massing, and design in relation to the streetscape of the surrounding historic district. The proposed floor-to-floor -floor height as expanded is 7 feet 11 and 3 quarter inches from the first to second floor, 8 feet from the second to third floor and 7 feet 6 inches at the third floor. The proposed overall height is 35 feet at its highest and 30 feet on average. The applicants have provided a streetscape study which was in the staff report and also on the screen in front of you. And this demonstrates the height scale and massing of the subject property house as expanded is generally compatible with the surrounding streetscape. And if it's not clear already, the proposed house is in the red circle. Regarding design, the amendment notes that the Linden Historic District is characterized by late 19th century and early 20th century frame dwellings representing Gothic Revival, Second Empire, Queen Anne, Colonial Revival, and bungalow styles of architecture. However, the Historic District exhibits a degree of eclecticism with other styles of architecture, including post-World War II ranch-style houses, such as the subject property house and the two immediate properties to the west, the infill and replacement houses to the north and northeast of the, of the subject property take design cues from the existing and historic houses in the district. When the 2014 infill construction at 2109 Salisbury Road came before the commission for a prelim at the February 13, 2013 HPC meeting, the commission found that the proposed new house should take its design, design cues from the existing houses and compatible non-historic houses within the district. The commission also previously reviewed a hop application for a second story expansion at the subject property, and that was at the February 12th, 2014 HPC meeting. The hop application was approved with conditions that were intended to simplify the proposed alterations and make them more compatible with the existing historic and non-historic houses in the district. And this, uh, this, or these are the elevations that were proposed in 2014 for the subject property. And should note that these were not, um, the, the plans were never submitted for uh, stamping and formal approval, so the conditions weren't met and they're not uh, exhibited in this, in this image. So staff's findings, the, commission, the commission's previous approvals largely relied on standard two, finding that deviations from the precedent architectural styles would detract from the otherwise traditional streetscape and or historic district as a whole. 
However, staff supports the proposed design, arguing that greater leniency should, should be exercised in reviewing the proposed alterations in accordance with the language in the amendment. This finding is further supplemented by Chapter 24A, 8C and D, specifically, it is not the intent of this chapter to limit new construction, alteration or repairs to any one period or architectural style and in the case of an application for work on an historic resource located within an historic district, I'm sorry, that should say non-historic resources located within, located within an historic district, the commission shall be lenient in its judgment of plans for structures of little historical or design significance or for plans involving new construction. Unless such plans would seriously impair the historic or architectural value of the surrounding resources or would impair the character of the historic district. Additionally, staff finds that new construction that replicates or is heavily influenced by any one architectural style or period could create a false sense of historical development, which is contrary to standard number three. So the questions for you tonight, are there any outstanding concerns regarding the proposed, proposed scale and massing of the subject property house? And does the commission concur that the proposed expanded house is appropriate and compatible per the amendment chapter 24A, 8C and D and standard three or should it have a more traditional design taking cues from the existing houses in the district? And I recommend that the applicant make any revisions based upon your comments and return with a HOP application. And I'll take questions in a moment. I actually want to share something else with you quickly. I know we had some questions earlier about the adjacent house uh, to the east, the previously referenced oldest house, the 1883 Queen Anne style outstanding resource. So I actually found the 1931 Clingy Atlas of uh, Montgomery County and I located uh, the subject property and the adjacent properties. So if you can see my cursor on the screen here, hopefully you can. Uh, the 1883 Queen Anne style resource is actually the MF Wolf property, which we see here. And the subject property is actually, is actually one of the subdivided lots, which was originally associated with this property, the Margaret T. Fox property, with this being the 1906 outstanding resource to the uh, Northwest. So at some point, probably around 1959, the Fox property was subdivided. We had the one 1959 ranch style house which has been replaced by the 2014 house on a lot here to the north and three lots with 1959 ranch style houses uh, to the south and later on probably around 1997 uh, the wolf property was subdivided and we had the 1997 houses to the northeast and that also explains why we had a we had a question earlier about uh, Salisbury Road uh, running all the way to the rear of the property that is addressed on 9310 Brookville Road. Again, that is the Queen Anne style 1883 outstanding resource. So we can see that it originally stopped at the boundary of the uh, 1906 outstanding resource. Also, it was originally called Maple Avenue. So I just wanted to share that information with you to show that there have been some changes here in the district as far as uh, the properties. Of course, the uh, district itself was designated in 1993, so anything uh, prior to that, including the 1959 houses, uh, were there at the time. And with that, I will now take questions. Thank you.
does does any of the commissioners have questions? Commissioner Pelletier. Um, can you put the that map that you just had up up again? I'm trying to understand. I'm looking at the vicinity map on page eight of the presentation, and there's a there's a cul-de-sac. I'm just trying to orient myself to what you're showing us here versus what the current map showed. I'm confused. Okay, so are you referring to the image on the uh, on the first slide, as far as the uh, the existing the current? Yeah, I guess so. I'm looking at the vicinity map on the site plan, but yeah, I'm just trying to orient myself to this okay. development versus what you were just showing. So, so keep in mind everything I just told you about the uh, subdivision. So the uh, the oldest property again dated 1883, the Queen Anne style house addressed on Brookville Road. Uh, the the Wolf property is, if you can see my cursor, right here. Yeah. Okay. And originally, it's okay. So you can see <laughs> it, the scale is a little off if you compare that to this. Of course, it's this property. Mm -hmm. but, right. But in that upper section, we have this property built in 1997, as well as this property. Right. And this is the 1906 outstanding resource, and this was all one property originally. Okay and probably around 1959 there was a subdivision and we had three ranch houses here and there was originally when did the road, there was when one, did the road go through i'm sorry ask ask that question again please the road where when did Saul's? can you show where salisbury is on your on the historic map maple salisbury is uh, labeled maple avenue on this map it's right here so the road name okay. changed and it extended down to about right here i got it I got it. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Doman? Uh, yes. Previously, you had a drawing of the house that was proposed in a 2014 application. And in this, well, the drawing that was just up here, you have the current house that's being proposed. It, are the, is the overall elevation to the roof line the same in the current application as it was in the 2014 application? Or is it higher now? Uh, as you can see, the, the drawings from that application are almost illegible and they weren't much better in the original version before I pulled this. Unfortunately, in 2014, we weren't doing things uh, digitally the way we are now. so some things did not come through clearly. Things were usually submitted in paper form and then had to be scanned in. And this is the best I had. And it's, uh, it's obviously not, not readable, so I can't verify that. But it looks to be, well, it's a two and a half story house in the end. So it's roughly the same, we can assume. Yeah, and apparently this was never carried through with this particular design for how application but did the commission have comments on this particular design and the massing of this house in the 2014 discussion or, or don't we have any information on it? 
Uh, yes, I do have inf information on that. And it was actually in the staff report. Um, so it, it was approved with conditions. Uh, the conditions did not address massing. They addressed detailing to make the house more consistent with the traditional styles uh, on, the, on the streetscape or the existing styles on the streetscape. Uh, so there were some comments about lining up the uh, footers of the porch with the columns, about stacking the fenestration, about removing the center dormer and uh, moving the two remaining dormers closer to the center. Um, and no comments about uh, scale and massing or height. Okay, but it never got any farther than this, uh, obviously because the house is still a single, it's a ranch right. house, right? Right, that's, that's right. It, okay. was a, it was approved and they could have come back with drawings and submitted them for stamping and move forward with the project as long as the drawings were consistent with the uh, conditions of approval, that is, but it never made mm -hmm. it to that point. Okay. This is Commissioner Burdett. Uh, there was a uh, comments from uh, that were submitted from a neighbor um, relating to the separation distance between the proposal and in the, the adjacent property. Has that been sorted out? Do we know what the dimension is? Well, we don't know what that is. I don't have that in front of me, at least, but it will be whatever it is now because the the proposed is only going up. It's all within the existing footprint. Uh, so I think the question or the concern was uh, a, per, a potential looming nature, let's call it that, of the expanded house uh, as, as compared or in relation to that adjacent house. But the distance will remain as it is here in this image. Okay, thank you. Are there any other questions for staff? If not, we will move on to the presentation by the applicants. If the applicants and the representatives for the applicant please identify themselves by name and by address and then prepare, uh, present any materials or question, comments that you have. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Bill Kerwin, principal at Muse Kerwin Architects, and we're based in Bethesda. Um, it's very nice to see some familiar faces uh, on the screen tonight, and uh, I look forward to uh, hearing more comments from the new commissioners uh, uh, who've joined the commission since I stepped down. Um, the, the owners uh, had intended to be here tonight and give a little preliminary uh, uh, introduction to themselves and their backgrounds, but uh, the, the wife uh, went into delivery. Uh, mid this afternoon, so they're having their first child today. Um, now they, they uh, Peter Cairns did provide some uh, introductory comments with to Brett Howard, who is on the call. Brett is a neighbor uh, across the street who's here tonight to provide some testimony. Brett, do you want to share um, Peter's comments? Sure. If the committee is ready, let me send those to you. And um, please identify yourself again for the record. Sorry, yes. Uh, yeah, Brett Howard, 2115 uh, Salisbury. I am the uh, contributing house from 1906, the Fox House, as it was uh, originally called. So, um, yes, very briefly, uh, this is a statement from Peter Cairns. Allison, his wife, and I currently live in Germany working for the U.S. government, DOD, and Department of State. Peter is actively supporting the U.S. European Command and our support to Ukraine. Today is also his 40th birthday. 
Allison is in the hospital, uh, currently giving uh, birth to their first child, Maggie, as indicated earlier. They purchased 21 of six Salisbury earlier than necessary in spring 2021 in order to seize the opportunity to join this community. They would like to begin construction this summer as they are scheduled to return from Germany in August 2023. Uh, they purchased the house from me, as I mentioned, uh, I used to live in that house and I now live across the street. Uh, they're both native to DC. Uh, Peter grew up 10 minutes down the street and they have a firm connection to the area and uh, intend for it to be their forever home. Uh, they are uh, interested in proceeding with the expansion to accommodate a growing family and in order to join the community for the long run, uh, the expansion of the home will enable them to remain in the neighborhood for decades to come. Um, and that is the end of his statement. Thanks. Any other presentation material from either from Mr. Yes. Yes, I plan to do a brief presentation uh, starting now. Um, so I first want to thank the staff for their thorough report and for their support of our approach to the project. Um, I, I would like to start by presenting some technical data um, to put in perspective our approach to mitigating the impact of increasing the height of the existing non-contributing resource in this historic district. Um, I have some of that information on building heights and comparative heights that uh, one of the commissioners had uh, previously asked of Michael. So we are not proposing to increase the footprint of the home itself, which we feel would be most detrimental to the historic district, as there is greater footprint and bulk that the R60 zoning provides for the size lot. Um, R60 zoning provides for footprint and height regulations for lots that are a minimum of 6,000 square feet. This lot is 6,444 square feet. The maximum lot occupancy uh, that's permissible is 35% of the lot area. The lot occupancy of the existing home is 20%, and the proposal in front of you increases it to 27% due to the proposed expansion of the deck off the first floor. Um, similarly, we are not trying to build to the maximum height available per zoning either. Um, R60 zoning allows for a maximum height of 35 feet to the ridge. The height of the, the approved 2014 project was 31 foot 6 inches to the ridge. The height of our proposal is actually 29 feet, 11 inches to the ridge, not 35 feet. I think, Michael, that may have been pulled from the maximum zoning um, that's on our uh, on our information on the cover sheet. So we're about a foot, one foot, six inches shorter than the approved uh, project in 2014. For comparison, 9310 Brookville Road is 43 feet, three inches to its ridge. And 2102 Salisbury Road, um, adjacent to it, is 32 feet 10 inches to its ridge. So we're nine feet uh, uh, shorter than the, or no, almost 12 feet shorter than the, uh, than the historic house adjacent to us, and we're about uh, two feet shorter than the, uh, the house adjacent to it. Also of note, um, the other recently built and HPC-approved homes across the street are all two stories with attic levels. In fact, any second story added to this home with what I would imagine would be a preferred pitch roof will result in attic space above the second floor ceiling. The, mitiga the mitigating factor then is be being the height limit per zoning and what is comfortable to the commission in this district and, and to, to set the height of the ridge of our, of our proposal. So while these are all not HPC concerns, you know, particularly the zoning information, we point them out to illustrate that we are being careful to not build taller or larger than the other homes in the historic district. So I, I think our drawings are fairly self-explanatory with regard to what we are creating inside the proposed homes. So I will focus more on our approach to the front facade and the resulting massing. Michael, would it be possible to put up the 2014 proposal again? Okay. 
So um, ha having served on the HPC uh, for the 2014 proposal, I recall our struggle with the approach taken by that applicant for this property, given the attempt to convert this mid-century modern home uh, that's been referred to as a ranch-style ranch, ranch style home into a faux traditional farmhouse. As you all know, in traditional farmhouse architecture, window openings from the ground floor are often aligned on the second floor, and this works very well in cases of symmetry and, or local symmetry on facades common to that vernacular. In the 2014 proposal, given the asymmetry of the first floor openings of the existing 1959 house, we struggled with that applicant to arrive at as simple a result as possible with balanced openings on the second floor, the added traditional porches, and creating an even column spacing through the conditions we imposed. In hindsight, after rereading the conditions, um, and given the significance of the conditions we imposed for its approval, we arguably could have asked them to return for another hot period to see how they interpreted our conditions. But as I recall, we had seen this proposal at least once before as a preliminary matter, possibly twice. And given the insignificance of this property in the historic district, we had to be lenient in our judgment in accordance with chapters 24, 8, 8, C and D, as Michael pointed out. Now, our approach to this property is very different than the approach taken in 2014. Instead of running the primary ridge parallel to the front of the house and extruding the first floor openings vertically, we turned the ridge 90 degrees to the front facade and created a balanced symmetrical facade for the second story using the traditional gable forms, but with more contemporary detailing that draws from the air of the original home. This allows the asymmetry of the existing windows below to comfortably exist below and the second story addition, while a handful of vertical lines carry through up into the second story fenestration from below to lock them in place. This, in our opinion, results in a better approach than pushing the home away from its original mid-century roots and towards a more faux-traditional farmhouse direction. It also concentrates the tallest portions of the proposal to the center of the building and allows the scale to be reduced on the sides adjacent to the neighbors. So with that, I'm happy to take any questions and uh, look forward to hearing your guidance on our proposal. Uh, Commissioner Pelletier, do you have comment? Do you have questions? Did I have my hand up? I'm sorry. Yes, you did. No. No, I, I well, no, I don't have any questions. <laughs> sorry. Do, do any of the commissioners have any questions for the applicant's architect? Actually, I do. Can I sorry, can I change my mind? Go right ahead, Commissioner. Okay. Phil. Um, can you go to the side elevation? Uh, that one, yeah. Um, the cantilever across the back is that okay? So that's not at the, the cantilever is not at the front of the house. It's at the back of the house, right? Um, and that that's just for more space. It, it, in part for more space, but also we're trying to put use our gable to cover the roof of a bay window on the back. Oh, I see it. I see it. Okay. Um, there, this is. Okay. Yeah, no, that's my only question. Okay. Commissioner Haynes. Uh, thank you. Um, Mr. Kerwin, may I call you Bill since we're good friends? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> feels odd to call you. <laughs> If you could talk a little bit more about the massing of the cross gables, um, and and it allows you to get a, a, an attic level, but in terms of 
uh, your thoughts about the, you know, from the neighbor's perspective, they're looking at really a, a three-story massing. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. Um, well, we, I mean, we did set this, and maybe we can pull up the side elevation, Michael, that was up before. So I, I think in our approach, we did, did treat these as uh, being, you know, a little less tall and, uh, and of course much less wide than the, than the primary gable so that they read more like dormers on the side of the house I and mean, we're carrying across the horizontal fascia of the first story roof um, and allowing the roof to come down on either side of the of the dormers uh, or the, the, sec the second story portion um, but but again this uh, this would have been the same same shape and and height that the neighbor would have seen in the in the approved proposal so we felt that it was appropriate, given the approval granted at that time and the neighborhood support of that proposal, that um, that the side dormers of this, uh, the side wings of this house have uh, have this shape and allow for that space up in the attic that the owners want. Thank you. Um, anyone, any other commissioners have questions for Mr. Kerwin? If not, I will ask a question. This is Commissioner Burdett. Um, the, the, the form of the house of the, of the proposal is very symmetrical, but the ground floor windows and doors are not. Why aren't you just going ahead and fixing them? You're, I mean, so much of this is being changed out. Um, I think the attempt is to try to try to utilize as much of the existing structure as possible. I mean, it's in good shape. Um, the windows were recently replaced. Um, the, the, the interior plans of the rooms work well with the windows. So I think just like the proposal in 2014, I think the attempt here is to is to preserve the first story uh, to the greatest extent possible. Um, it's a more sustainable approach too, to not sort of do more demo than you have to do. Um, and then simply build on top of this with some minor renovations on the interior. And, you know, I, there are many examples in architecture of this kind of approach where the, where the, uh, the ground floor is asymmetrical relative to, the, to a large gable form above. Um, if, you, if some of the architects and maybe some of the non-architects in the room are familiar with Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, office, home and office in Oak Park, Illinois, the, it's a very similar approach to, to what we took here. That was actually a, a sort of a precedent that we looked at in, uh, in developing approach to the, the asymmetry on the first floor of this house. Is there a particular architectural style or heritage that kind of drove this design? Because I keep thinking I'm seeing some postmodern, but then also maybe some shingle style, and then maybe some European influences. I think it's it's um, more strongly influenced by sort of some European modern architecture um, that that uh, is recently showing itself and and uh, various trade magazines and things like that. I mean, the idea here is not to, to create a very traditional, um, if, if, if you notice in the detailing, we're not, we don't have any overhangs on our, on our eaves. We're not doing soffits and, and overhang gutter boards. We're keeping the, the forms very clean and pure. Um, and, and, and again, we're, sort of, we're, we're inspired both by what we're seeing in, in that architecture, but also by the simplicity of the forms on the first floor. Um, you know, the, the mid-century original, original character of this house with its, uh, its simple forms and clean lines. 
what uh, what are the exterior materials? I'm sorry, I don't recall from the, the report. There's a there's a brick water table um, mm -hmm. up to the window sills on the front facade, and uh, then as it turns the corners, um, I think it becomes a stucco surface. Um, and then there's sort of vertical wood plank siding that uh, runs on the first floor all the way around the front and the back, um, uh, on the front and back facades. Uh, thank you. Commissioner Barnes? Commissioner Barnes, did you have a question or are you muted? Sorry, I'm, <clears throat> I muted myself. I'm now unmuted. And I wanted to ask Mr. Kerwin to continue with his description of, of the materials and tell us more about what's being used in the gables, please. Um, because well, somehow gonna... I... Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you've um, talked about the brick it... and you've talked about vertical siding and tell me a little bit more about the gables, please. Sure. So, um, Michael, if you can bring the front facade up again. Um, I think we'll start there and roll around to the side. So with the gable, um, we elected to uh, change the siding from the vertical siding on the first floor um, to the horizontal to horizontal siding that you see uh, rendered in the drawing. Um, and then we had that vertical siding repeat itself on the two side dormers. And again, that's the sort of help differentiate the, the side dormers from the main gable. Um, and, uh, and and play with that sort of alternating material approach to to the two, so that they it's not that they won't in the end won't be too monolithic. I think is the is the goal of what we're trying to do with the main gable versus the two side gables. And may I ask if you gave any thought to using shingles on that front massive gable? Um, we. I think if we had if we had gone in the direction of a more traditional approach to the detailing, we might have. But I think we want a very we want a painted kind of clean approach to this. Um, you know, again, reminiscent of the of the base of the building. So uh, so we elected to to pursue uh, horizontal siding that we can we can paint and uh, uh, we'll just have cleaner, crisper lines. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, I thought I saw another hand. Is do any of the other commissioners have any more questions for the architect? Okay, then um, we can go on into our comments then. Would anybody like to start off with their opinions? And again, uh, as you well know, Mr. Kerwin, um, our opinions are, are, you know, purely our opinions. You can take them as they are, but we do have a, quite a bit of, of experience and expertise. Um, for your, uh, for you to take. Uh, I'm sorry, Rebecca. Chair Burdett, this is this is Rebecca Ballow for the record. I just wanted to confirm um, that Mr. Howard, I know you spoke on behalf of the property owners, but sir, since you did sign up to testify, did you did you wish to have um, three minutes to testify on your own behalf? Yes, I would. Thank you. Um, then I'll, I'll have the chair recognize you. Um, you can introduce yourself again, and you'll have three minutes for your testimony. Uh, Mr. Harrell, would you identify yourself again and address, and then please continue with sure. your comments? Yes. Hi. Uh, Brett Howard, 2115 Salisbury Road. Uh, yeah, again, the Fox House that's been alluded to uh, as a contributing resource on the street. I just wanted to voice my support for this project. Um, I, I, you know, I've 
talked to some of the neighbors. There's been some concerns about, um, uh, you know, whether this is uh, the massing is an issue, the height is an issue. I think Bill did a great job addressing all those issues. I don't think there's any uh, uh, thing that will seriously impair, you know, the historic district or the surrounding properties. I think the only thing I wanted to add is that, you know, these non-contributing resources, I think by improving them will bring significant value to the street. And, you know, as a homeowner on the street, I think that's, uh, you know, important from my perspective. The only other thing I wanted to share was just a, a Google render uh, using Google Earth. Let me see if I, I don't know if I can share my screen. Let's find out. Uh, this is just something that's I found is is helpful to understand a little bit more the height of the of the neighborhood. It's kind of hard to get a perspective of that, at least you know from from what I take um, based on the 2D images. So just looking at this is the the 9310 Brookville. This is the 2106. 2106 I think is going to be uh, as Bill indicated at least 12 feet shorter. Um, so there was, you know, some concern that there might be some view blocking or some, you know, sunlight blocking and that kind of that kind of thing. But um, I, I would tend to disagree with those comments. Uh, and with that in mind, I uh, just wanted to, to, again, present this this Google Earth 3D rendering to provide some additional context to that. Uh, and again, just voice my support for this project, as I think it will bring, um, you know, much needed space to the neighborhood. Um, and you know, of course, increase property values, which is uh, always a always a concern for homeowners. So, uh, you, thank you for your time. Oh, sorry. Could you swing around and show the other side of the street while you're in that Google view? Sure. I'll just uh, okay. Yes, um, the other side, the Brookville side. No, 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 not I the Brookville. Just the other, like across. Do you live across? Oh, Salisbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I live right here. Oh, so you're there. Okay. Yes. Okay, so there's a lot of two, I mean, I drove down the street, but I just wanted to see it again, that there's quite a lot of two-story houses on yep. the other side of the street. There's there's solar panels. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, okay, sorry, I'm cutting into your time. I just, I just want to make sure that we saw the whole street in its entirety. So no, I'm happy. It. Happy to to play uh, steward of Google Earth. Uh, if the uh, commission would be interested. Um, but uh, yeah, again, just wanted to. I thought this was useful. So if there's any other questions or anything anyone else wants to see, I'm happy to do it. But uh, again, just wanted to voice my support for this project and thank you for your time. Do any of the commissioners have any questions for Mr. Howard? If not, we will move on into our comments. Um, Commissioner Pelletier, would you like to start since I see you on the screen? Oh, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, well, I think the two questions that staff is asking of us um, about the scale and the massing of the house, I think uh, Bill has addressed those and I feel comfortable with the scale and the massing um, that it kind of goes with what's across the street. It goes with the house next door. That those don't concern me. And the other question um, about the proposed expanded house is appropriate and compatible. Uh, I, I I think I like it. I know you're not supposed to say that in these meetings because my opinion is not uh, 
is not necessarily valuable in that way. But I do think that you have to be sort of careful about taking historic cues from surrounding houses for that false historicism that that everybody is concerned about not doing. And I think this house does a good job of that. It's, it's eclectic, like a lot of the neighborhood is. Uh, the massing is kept somewhat low. I think the modern detailing is nice. And uh, I would support this project. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner, uh, is it Haynes or Doman? I can't tell between the two. I got a hand up. Okay, it's Commissioner Haynes. <clears throat> Um, I, I share the, many of the thoughts of um, <clears throat> the previous commissioner, sorry, um, but I do have, uh, with regard to the massing, I generally agree with the strategy of the, of the large gable front, which does tend to bring the overall massing down, um, but it's the cross gables that somewhat bother me. First of all, they're only set about a foot or so back from the front facade. So that massing is really, really up front. Uh, it, I wish it could be pushed back, you know, have that distance that it has on, on the backside. Um, but also, it, it's, um, it would be great if they could be dormers, and, and meaning that the that front gable form could continue at, uh, at some level through the, the side elevation. Uh, and break up that three-story uh, side elevation, so it would truly read as a as a dormer. Um, I would also, and you know, I realize the roof form of the the cross gable probably cannot come down to the uh, front gable, but if it somehow could be lowered, um, I think that's helping in the massing. So you really do have. Um, uh, a, a two-story mass really at the front entry um, with, with some relief at the second floor. But if, if it could be, if the side walls of the second story could be brought in some dimension so that the front gable did read through, I think that would help uh, the side massing, which is my primary consideration for, for the neighbors and just the overall scale of, of the house. Otherwise, I'm fine with the materials. I'm fine with the fenestration. I generally support, and I'm sorry to be looking down. I'm looking at my tablet drawings. Um, um, I overall support the project with, I'd like to see some refinement to the uh, cross gable. Maybe the cross gable roofs could be hip roofs to reduce the apparent roof massing um, to be you know, something to consider as, um, you know, I know you have a mechanical room up there, but perhaps uh, some way to reduce those side gables, I think would be an improvement. Thank you. Another commissioner would like to give their opinion. Oh. Okay, I'll give my opinion. Um, you know, when I first looked at the drawings um, and especially the elevation that should be existing next to the proposed, it, it was quite um, uh, shocking. Um, and the more I look at it and look at the surrounding properties, uh, structures, it's, it's eased a little bit. But it is a very strong muscular uh, massing. And I think that's what is bothering me and, and possibly some others is, is that the other 
properties are two stories, and but they're rather delicate with their porches and their trim work. And this is a, this is just a really strong uh, uh, historic or modernist form, whichever way you want to take your reference. Um, I I agree with Commissioner Haynes is that there there is something about the main mass of the house and its reform uh, compared to the gable. It's it's as if they're competing with each other, and then I also have a problem with that first floor of the arrangement of the windows and doors and the the lack of any sort of porch or it just looks like it needs another round of you know put it aside and pick it back up and and think about it um, I have come up have pulled away from the whole massing next to the existing little post-war houses um, because there are two-story houses on the block and there's a variety of houses on the block and of types on the block. But we, I, I think we're all a little sensitive to the idea of pop-ups in older neighborhoods that kind of take over the neighborhood. So I would recommend that you consider that with this design that while in the, the again, the muscular massing might need to be toned down a little bit just so it sets easier in the community with the on the block that's about it but other than that i i think we can um, uh, take our comments as they are and then come back with a hop uh any other commissioners marcia or commissioner barnes i'm sorry um first of all i i think the proposed expanded house is appropriate for the neighborhood um, I appreciate the effort that was made not to expand the footprint of the existing house, except for the extension of a deck. And um, as we know, there are a number of large two and a half story houses on the street that were built as infill. Several of them seem to have greater setback from the street than this house will have when it's expanded. Uh, I must say that I find looking at this house to be quite troubling. And I've tried to figure out what it is that disconcerts me a bit. And I think it's the relationship to the very, as Commissioner Burdett has said, muscular front gable to the front, to the first story of the house. And I appreciate the desire to use as much of the existing structure as possible, expand to give as much space as possible to the um, new owners. But for me, um, and, I'm, and I'm not troubled by the fenestration preserving what's on the ground floor, but for me, the very large front gable is somehow not in proportion with the with the first floor and so it leaves me troubled with an impact that's a personal view and it in no way detracts from the fact that i think the house expanded is appropriate for the neighborhood i think it's an eclectic neighborhood so i don't think you have to be looking for the 
taking your cues from a Victorian structure, but I personally just find the the frontal approach is jarring and I'm sure it will turn out to be a wonderful project. Thank you. Commissioner Nasser? This is Commissioner Nasser. I agree with uh, Commissioner Burgett and Commissioner Barnes. Um, of course, it's my opinion and you, you can take it or, you know, to take it into consideration. The scale of the gable, as uh, my fellow commissioner mentioned, it's kind of squashing the first floor. I don't know if there's a better word, but it's kind of very heavy sitting on top of that short, relatively short first floor. Um, and I also agree with Commissioner Haynes' comment about maybe having a hip roof that kind of have the same angle of the cable and kind of break down the uh, that cross cable. Um, about the fenestration on the cable, front cable, uh, I think if you could break the six windows and have some solid in between the uh, six windows, maybe just center the uh, three windows and the two bedrooms, that might help to kind of uh, to have to uh, acquire some alignments with the uh, level one windows. Uh, but overall, I think the height of the building, uh, considering the other buildings in the neighborhood, is not uh, is not bothering me. Uh, and um, yeah, I will support it if with some um, adjustments. Thank you, Commissioner Radu. Yes, um, <clears throat> I, I support the project. Uh, maybe I align myself more with Commissioner Hayes, just maybe the size or level to um, the, the volume could be maybe trimmed a little bit on the sides. If I don't know, I would be actually more willing to, if you need to expand a little bit to the back, expand to the back. I actually don't almost like, <laughs> um, I, I don't think the, the front of the facade uh, needs to change in my opinion. I don't mind the fenestration, the lack of symmetry because there is some balance in what is there. Um, but I think the, the volume is still a little large on the sides and especially when I look at the lots on uh, the, on the report, uh, these houses are like very close to each other compared with across the street where you have as large houses, but their their parcels a lot are much larger and as somebody has before said they're more recessed from the um, from the street. So maybe just um, just a little bit mm -hmm. reducing the the volume as it appears from the street. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Doman. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I really don't have much else to offer um, because it's been said previously. Um, I agree with um, primarily with um, Commissioner Haynes and, and that side gable just looks too big. Um, I think if that was brought in somewhat off of the side elevation, I think that would improve it. And when I first saw this design, I was really taken back by it. It looked like a Swiss chalet or something. I wasn't sure what it was. But um, I realize that as far as massing and height and other requirements, this is acceptable. Um, I feel the same as um, um, Commissioner Burdett said, is that the front just seems a little too 
massive or too muscular in appearance. Um, I think there's some refinement that could be done. But uh, other than that, um, I don't think we have too much um, to say other than some refinement on design. I think um, the size, the massing, location, the footprint, everything else looks appropriate. So thank you. Uh, thank you, commissioners. I think we've heard from everybody now. Um, I think, Mr. Kerwin, that you've heard a fair, con fairly consistent comments. Um, the staff will pull them together to present to you, as you know. Um, and I think you can definitely come forward with a hop and you might consider bringing uh, some three-dimensional renderings or axonometrics for us to look. That might actually help us to evaluate this when you do come forward to a hop. And thank you very much. It's been very interesting and always a pleasure to meet a former HPC member. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your comments. Um, Ms. Ballow, uh, we can move on to uh, the rest of the items on our agenda for tonight? Yes, Chair Burdett. Uh, so the next thing we have are minutes. Uh, and the agenda doesn't tell me what the minutes are, um, but has anybody read them and would like to make a motion? This is Commissioner Doman. Uh, I uh, move that we accept the draft meeting minutes from the February 16th, 2022 uh, Historic Preservation Commission meeting. Thank you. Is there a second from someone who's read the minutes? <laughs> If not, then I second the motion because I have read the minutes. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Uh, commission items. Ms. Ballow, would this be an appropriate time to give your uh, uh, feedback on how your presentation went on the Potomac Overlook uh, presentation to the council. Sure, of course, Chair Burdett. And this is Rebecca Ballow again for the record. So yesterday was the public hearing and briefing at the county council for the Potomac Overlook Historic District Amendment, which will be an amendment to the master plan for historic preservation. Um, our, our chair this evening spoke in support of this item at the council and then I followed up with about a 15 minute PowerPoint briefing for the council and the council staff along with a period of, of question and answer. Uh, they really didn't have any questions at, at this point. It was, they um, noted that they appreciated some of the capsule histories that the staff were able to share. In particular, those histories having to do with outstanding individuals, professional women, whose careers are highlighted in this historic district amendment on the first day of Women's History Month yesterday. So that was really nice. Um, and they're looking forward to our work session at the Fed Committee, which is scheduled for March the 28th. Once we get past the Fed Committee, then it will come back to the full council 
for their vote out. Um, but we didn't receive any additional public testimony either for or against the amendment. We already have the neighborhood on record in support of the amendment, and so now we are just working it through the next few meetings that we have. So my appreciation to to the chair for, for coming yesterday and speaking in support at the council. I know that they appreciated having the Historic Preservation Commission there representing this, this amendment on our behalf, so thank you for that. Thank you. That was the fastest two minutes I've ever sat through, so. They're brutal with uh, their, with their <laughs> With their cutoffs. Commissioner Barnes, do you have something? I just had a question. Um, you mentioned that there were no real questions yesterday. Um, do they have the right to submit written questions after the fact? And do you have a period of time in which to respond? That's a good question. The the way that it would the way that it works is that we present to the Fed Committee, which is the oh god goodness Planning, Housing, and Economic Development Subcommittee, that the members on that are Council Members Jawando, Friedson, and Reamer. Other Council Members are allowed to to attend committee hearings even if they are not on the committee. So it is typically at the committee briefings where they will ask questions of the staff if they have any. And then, as I said, it will go back to the full council again um, for, for a vote out. So it can either be on the consent agenda, in which case they will have no questions, or sometimes a question will come up and they will ask it of us at that time. No, I was just curious in, in terms of federal procedure when there's testimony and then there's a time for written questions. And I didn't mm -hmm. know whether that also happened. Thank you. And are there any staff items tonight? No, Chair Burdett, there are no additional items from the staff this evening. If there are no other issues that anybody would like to bring up, then I say I make a motion to adjourn tonight's meeting. All done? This meeting is adjourned. Good night. Hey, thank and you.